Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, an organization founded in 2007 committed to empowering people to lead the Food is Not Trash movement in their school districts. Today I'm joined by Ektra Shribia, K-12 Food Rescue leader and intervention specialist at Hilliard Horizon Elementary School in Hilliard, Ohio. So Ekta, welcome yes. to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. Thank you very much. So, Ekta, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in the subject of school food waste? Yes. Um, so, I'm a teacher at Hilliard Horizon Elementary School. I've been there for, this is my, just completed my 15th year, actually. I've composted personally at my own home for probably the last 12 to 15 years, I would say. So, it's been something that's been important to me for a long time. And we started our program at Horizon about five or six years ago. There's another teacher who's since retired. Her name is Ann Richards, and she also had a passion for it. So she and I really got it going together. And we both have the same types of interests in composting, in diverting food waste, in recycling, and all those types of things. So it started with conversations with our central office administration and other schools who may have been interested at the time. And we formed a small little green team with our food service provider and our business officer, the teachers who were interested, and we kind of just brainstormed how we were going to do it. And it started with those conversations, really. Yeah, I love that about the green team, because that's such a great place to start um, for schools. I find in some of the interviews that I've done, that's actually one of the most common sources of originating um, these programs. So, you know, after you got together with the, with the team and you kind of looked, looked at the problem, what was the first thing that you uh, remember doing and kind of maybe the first few steps that you followed? We, if I remember, it's been a while, we talked about how we would actually get it going in the cafeteria. So how, what types of container changes we would need to make because we used these big trash cans on wheels and they were scattered throughout the cafeteria and everything went into them. So we knew that wasn't going to work. So we thought about how we could modify what we had. So we weren't buying anything new to fit the program. And so custodians were very involved at that point. And we used tables we already had and they cut holes in them and marked them with compost, landfill and recycle. And um, we really had to think of those small things and we had to figure, about, figure out funding too for how we were going to pay for the actual compost to be picked up. And how did you get that funding? <laughs> so that, that was through Swaco. They provided us with a grant, which was amazing. And it really helped us get our feet off the ground. And because it does cost money and it does, it's unfortunately not mainstream. So there, you do have to fund it. And right. so we used GoZero as our composter and they are local to Ohio. And we also got that grant from Swaco, which was hugely, hugely beneficial. So when you, when you first started, was it, did you tackle the unopened and unpeeled food from the trays of students to be preserved, you know, in terms of, you know, we focus on those items as far as being rescued. Was it combination of both at the same time or did you do the composting first and then the share table came, you know, later? We actually had, we used to call it a free table, which... Mm -hmm to do so we actually had that first we had a free table and so we've had that at our school for a very long time and so the composting came after that and they kind of go together so well 
And yeah. so we actually have our share table. It's marked as a share table in between two full compost stations with the compost, the recycled landfill on both sides and the share tables right in the middle. And so it's all together and they kind of all, everybody just kind of knows how it works. And it, it led, led, in, led itself well to the future composting station. Awesome. So kind of tell everybody a little bit about, you know, maybe the way it works and what you've been able to accomplish at, at Hilliard Elementary since you started working uh, on these solutions, you know, all those, all those many years ago. So how the actual process works, the daily process? Yeah, yeah, that, that might okay. be interesting for our audience to hear. You know, you know yeah. a student comes to the, you know, to get their lunch tray and. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually do our composting at breakfast as well. So okay. I'll start with that because that's the beginning of the day. So our kindergartners through second graders come and have breakfast in the cafeteria. And we just have a regular compost station there. So they come to the line, get their breakfast, whatever their breakfast food item is and their drink, which is either juice or milk and they sit down and then when they're done they come to the table pour their drinks out into compost our containers are recyclable for the juice and the milk and then the leftover food goes into compost and in the hallways of the intermediate so that's three through five is where we have their breakfast and we take a table there every day actually students take a table there every day and um, that's where they compost and we have tongs to get out any contaminants so no one has to touch anything and they can kind of put things where they're supposed to go so that's breakfast. At lunch, they go through the line and get a tray. At breakfast, they don't get a tray and our trays are compostable. During COVID, we ran out of some trays. So we actually used re our reusable plastic trays and they were washed, which was awesome. So we didn't have to revert back to styrofoam, which was the worst thing ever. And um, so we have compostable trays and they get their food items, sit down and then go to the share table. Anybody can go to the share table as needed and then when they're done they raise their hand and they come up and they go through the line in order so they try to throw whatever landfill they can if they need to pour something out first they can kind of skip ahead and do that and then they stack their trays at the end of each table so that it provides space for the actual compost and then at the end of each lunch those trays get taken out to the compost area in the back of our school where the dumpsters are and then the food also gets dumped in separate bins. We try to keep them separated so just right. so that we save room. They all go to yeah. the same place. The composter picks up everything, but it just helps to save room so we have enough space to get through the two weeks before it gets picked up. So as you describe that process and you look back on it, what would you say were the biggest you know hurdles that you had to overcome to actually make yeah. all of that happen? Because I'm sure the first day it was just went perfectly smoothly. The first oh day yes, out, right? Oh yes, I have so many clothes with stains that will never come out. Those first days. Um, it it was there's been a few things. So I used to have them sort actually for the first couple of years, which I've now I don't make them do that anymore. I used to make them sort on their trays, what goes in landfill, what goes in recycle, what goes in compost. But that ended up being more work and there ended up causing more contaminant because they just still needed to go to different places in line. So now I just teach them to just know where things go. And to do that, I use videos. I make videos of myself composting. I make videos of the kids composting and putting things where they're supposed to go so that they have some sort of reference. And I make QR codes so they can scan them with their iPads if they wanna just keep those videos. and. Um, so that's typically that was one of the problems is the sorting so i don't do that anymore it's worked out better without that it's also getting people on board so we've had we've had shifts in who is in the cafeteria to support with just in general cafeteria needs 
And one of the bigger roadblocks was people who weren't supportive. And that's gotten so much better with time just because people, once they becomes normal and it becomes commonplace to them, people are more open-minded. Whenever you have change, people, some people struggle with that and maybe aren't as open. But now that it's just become the thing we do at Horizon, more people are on board and we we actually have, sorry, this is an aside. We have our composting in the teacher's lounge as well. So we've tried to carry it over in our before and after school program. Our, we call it SAC, school age childcare. And I think other people call it latchkey in different schools. They also compost before and after school. So it's really all day, every day. And so it's become so normal that a lot of those roadblocks we had have kind of solved themselves. But the biggest thing was getting contaminants. We still have a contamination issue. And so we have student volunteers who help with different areas. So some of them are assigned tongs. Well, they're, if they sign up, they have to do all the jobs, but on different days, they have different jobs. And then, so those jobs are tongs. So that's getting the contaminants out of compost, putting them where they're supposed to be, but also getting contaminant out of recycling and landfill or getting compostables out of landfill and putting them where they're supposed to go. And then we have table washers who help wash the tables. We have kids who like to help stack the trays and make sure they're stacked nicely. And then we also have kids who help kids put things where they're supposed to go if they don't know. So kids who are maybe a little more passionate and they have taken it upon themselves to care and to want things to go smoothly, they help other kids if they don't know where things go. And then at the beginning of the school year, for our younger kids, our kindergartners and first graders, I like to have fourth and fifth graders come help those first couple weeks to be more hands, but also to be good role models for our younger kids on where things are supposed to go. Wow, that that whole entire description that you just gave just kind of leads into the next question I had. Obviously, student engagement is extremely important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I, obviously, you said that you, um, you know, you did composting for fifteen years at home, and you obviously care about composting. But there's you've married these two things together. Um, why why is that so important to you? To have kids care because kids yeah. are the future. Yeah, because oh, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> And if you don't have buy-in from the kids, then it's not going to continue. So having passionate kids is the best thing in the world. I mean, there's so many kids who care, but then I think back to the handful throughout the years who've been, I know they're going to make a difference. I know they're going to be leaders in some sort of environmentalism in some way, shape or form. I know it. And to know that whatever that, that seed was planted at my school is such an amazing thing. And even if they're not gonna be those leaders, they're at least so familiar with it, it becomes normal to them. So when they see it out in the wild somewhere, they see composting, they're gonna know what to do. And when we have field, this is also another aside, I do that, I apologize. We had a field trip and they didn't have that. They didn't have composting and I was there and they said, well, Ms. Shabria, where's the compost? Ms. Shabria, where's the recycling? And so I went and got boxes to like put it all in and I took it back to school and it was a nightmare, but I did it. And um, and it was, but it was just so nice to see. I felt terribly that they saw that not everybody does these things, but it also was kind of, it made me feel a little bit good that they think it should carry over everywhere and everybody right. should be doing this. And so, yeah, it's just, I think it's so important for kids to, to be involved because they're the ones who are going to have control over everything. And I want them to, to be exposed to things that matter. And obviously they get to make their own decisions whether they continue it or not. But I think the vast majority of kids do care and they are empathetic and they are, they do care about their world and they just need the tools to be able to actually facilitate change. 
Yeah, for, for our organization, we were founded in 2007, and um, we started rescuing food from restaurants and mm-hmm. grocery stores. And, you know, while we did that for seven years and rescued millions of food items around the country, you know, as a former school teacher, my, my thought just was always back to the schools about, gosh, I, we can keep picking up from restaurants all day, but until the students begin to understand this, it's, we're not going to solve yeah. this problem. You know, yeah. so I love the, the stories that you shared there. So in the article that I read and the video that I watched, um, that you, you kind of had some numbers, and we talked about it a little bit before the podcast started, but can mm-hmm. you kind of give our audience an idea of in, in a day through breakfast and lunch, you know, just about how many food items are getting rescued. That's completely separate from even just the, the food waste poundage or whatever, you know, but just that's just that are being rescued that are that can either be shared with other students on the share table or donated to the food pantry. Yeah, um, I would say this is an estimate, but give or take about 100 items per day, I would say. Yeah. And on top of that, at the end of the week on a Friday, whatever can be donated i will also donate whether that's to the food pantry if it's something that's packaged appropriately or if it's to an animal sanctuary if it's something that the health department wouldn't let me donate so about 100 actual like food items are consumed by kids that wouldn't ordinarily be by the share table and then at the end of the week it's probably at least 50 pounds i would say i donate so can you give our audience an idea of um, the kind, the type of food items that, you know, a student may choose not to eat for any reason? So it depends. Um, usually they eat their main meal and we can't usually put the main meal on the share table if it's not sealed sure. in a container, if it's just open. Um, but a lot of times it could be like cucumbers or apple slices, carrots, yep. uh, those types of things, mashed potatoes. So kids will, if they, you know, they'll, applesauce, we have a lot of that. A lot of times it's milk. Uh, or juice. And so kids really do enjoy raising their hand to go to the share table and picking some of those things. And we have kids who, who pack their lunch and they still like to come to the share table as well. Yeah. So I try to do a little math uh, on the show always. <laughs> so yes. if we did a hundred food items a day um, times 180 school days, which is approximately how many days there are in a school year. Yes. We come up with 18,000 uh, food items. And if we say they weigh a quarter of a pound, and we divide that by four, that'd be 4,500 pounds. And we know that carbon dioxide equivalents are pretty much, you know, 50% of that. So just from the program alone in one school, and that'd be just the unopened and unpeeled food items, not just the other waste that you're measuring. That'd be 2,250 pounds of carbon dioxide equivalents prevented from entering into the environment. And then if we divide that by 1.2, which would be pounds for a meal, we got 3,750 meals that are being um, rescued by your efforts. And like I said, that doesn't even calculate the, the half-eaten sandwiches or the other things that are being composted. So the impact's probably at least double. Yes. Uh, at least double from that. So wow, that's great. Just incredible impact. Um, has the program spread to other schools or is it still pretty much at Hilliard? It has. Um, so I'm not 100% sure how developed other programs are, but I have had people reach out. So what, one thing that's really cool, there's another district, Olentangy, it's in Central Ohio as well. I've had a student reach out to me from there who wants to start something, which I think is awesome. Yeah. So she and I have been in touch It would potentially start next year. My friend who um, I didn't even know, she just told me that her school had a speaker come who I haven't figured out who it is yet, but a speaker came and said that they're gonna start a composting program at his school, at her son's school. 
and they mentioned me and they mentioned my school. And I, so I still haven't figured out who that is, but yes, that's happening in New Albany, which is another central Ohio district. I've had a teacher from Florida, South Florida contact me. So she and I are in touch again, that's all in infancy. So nothing has really started yet. Um, but I think it's potentially going to start, which is great. And then Columbus city schools has shown interest as well, which is the big district in the area that I live in. And so, yeah, I mean, nothing that I know of as, like we are sort of mature in the, what we're doing. We have it going and it's been going for a while. So these are all young programs, but if they start, I think that'll be great. Oh yeah. And the power of story, storytelling, you know, you keep yeah. doing interviews, you keep putting out videos, you keep doing articles. People eventually see it. You know, we saw yeah. the article and that's how we're talking today. And hopefully somebody will hear this podcast and be inspired as well. Um, right. Can you tell us, well, I guess, I guess I was going to ask you, um, in your district in Hilliard about how many schools are there in your district or I, so I should know this. I'm terrible. We have three high schools, three middle schools. It's it's a big district. It is. Yes. Three It's suburban, but it's big. Three middle schools, two sixth grade schools. And then I don't, I'm elementary and I should know, but I I feel like we have 13 maybe elementary ish, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big district. So that's just to, to give everybody an idea when you start something like this in one district, the opportunities are, you know, you think of those numbers that you just shared, you take those times, what was that, 15 or whatever, 16 schools, it could be incredible yeah. um, if the district adopts what you're doing. So yeah. tell us a little bit about this uh, SWACO, the Solid Waste Authority of Central Ohio. Um, yes. we've, we've communicated with them over the years that they've assisted yeah. in the program and maybe speak to, yeah. to how an outside third party partner like that plays a positive role in developing a, a school food waste program like you got. Yeah, they gave us the grant that really was the reason we could do this. So without them, this wouldn't have happened. So that I'll never forget that. And they've just been so supportive. We, you know, we take our kids on field trips there just so they can see what a landfill looks like, Mm -hmm. what a sanitary landfill looks like, you know, it's done well. And um, they give us resources for the kids and they can see like, if I don't recycle, if I don't compost then everything goes here and they see all the animals who come to eat the birds and everything and it really does affect them and they mm-hmm. they you know while Swaco is doing it the right way they also admit that too much is going there so i do appreciate that and they talk to the kids about how how so much of what goes in a landfill could be diverted to an appropriate store like appropriate place like compost or recycling or reusing and so much of what goes in there is food and they talk to the kids about that and about how it takes so much longer to decompose in a landfill versus how it would just in a compost or even out in a yard compost yeah. or anything like that. So they do illustrate how, yes, this is their business, but they would prefer things to go where they're supposed to go and not be wasted. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious if you might have any of this information or not. It's probably a, a, a long shot, but I was doing an interview yesterday with Paul Carperwatch Carperwich, I'm sorry, in New Hampshire. And he was talking about how New Hampshire is one of the biggest importers of, of um, basically waste into their state. Like 45% of the waste that they have comes from other states that they're taking in. Mm-hmm. So the expense of composting in the program is like compared to Maryland, where he says it's like $80. Um, it's like 90, it's $190 there. Um, I don't, I don't know whether it's per week or per day or whatever the, the fee is. Do you mm-hmm. know what the cost of the program is? You know, it's 
It is in the thousands and thousands per school year. And we do it differently. So it is quite expensive. And the problem is there isn't a lot of competition for haulers. There's small composting things, but you would need a hauler. And so it makes it a little bit harder to find competition because not a lot of people are doing that yet. So the price is still very high. And um, we, so at Horizon, we probably compost more than the other buildings because we do the full program and we do it all day. So that adds to the cost. But I'm not, I can get back to you with that information, but I am not 100% sure the exact I was just, Yeah, I was just curious. I, I yeah. know that there, there ought to be, of course, there's some net savings as well. Yes, um, yes. So, it's reduced so, our land, our trash pickup yeah. significantly. Yeah. 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 So it was really fun to read that article and watch that video from my perspective, um, because in 2017, as I mentioned earlier, we, you know, we, we did some work in Hilliard. We were involved with rescuing Little Caesars pizzas and City Barbecue in Ohio and nationwide. Mm -hmm. And I think I sent you a, a log of the 2,700 pizzas yes. that we rescued in 2017 yes. from that area and all the contacts I had with Swaco and all that stuff. But isn't it crazy that our headquarters is Indiana? You're in Ohio, but somehow there's this connection because that video and was from Maine. But talking about Minnesota. <laughs> it's so, very funny. But I appreciate yeah. that we're all so separated, but we can still collaborate. I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. So, yeah. so what advice would you have for people that are interested in approaching their schools about starting K-12 food rescue programs and food pantry relationships to recover healthy mm -hmm. food that's unopened that might otherwise be thrown away? Well, we kind of talked about this, I think, before we started recording. I do think it's a great idea to start with the share table first. Mm -hmm. That is a small thing you can do. So you just have a table set up in the cafeteria and kids can put items on there that are unopened. It has to be communicated to all kids all the time. And you have to remind them that it has to be unopened. If it's been opened, we just can't do it. There's too many regulations and we just can't do it. Um, but things that are unopened, so don't open it if you're not gonna eat it. And it can go on the share table and that diverts so much that could have gone to the landfill and it goes and nourishes kids because a lot of the food is healthy food too. Yeah. And so I think that's really important and we can even save share table items. So we have a cooler for that. And if it's something that can be saved and it's not going bad or anything, we even save it for the next day. So we don't automatically compost it if we can't, if we don't have to. And we have the kids involved in that too. And I think a huge part is getting kids involved. Kids are amazing things that they would never be excited to do at home to help their parents. They are so excited to help you do at school. So I think getting kids involved is huge. And then with that, when the kids are excited, then their teachers get excited and their parents get excited. And then sometimes their parents want to start things at home. And I know I'm digressing and I do that a lot, but, no, um, great. but yeah, I think starting small is probably the best because it can get overwhelming and you do need support. So if you're doing this at your school, you need to have your custodian on board because your custodian is a huge part of this. And if he or she is not on board, then that can make things hard. So make sure you maintain those relationships and and you also need your administrator involved. You need other teachers who want to help support you and really, really, really the kids. It's so important. And you will take time explaining things. There will be mistakes. There will be setbacks. There will be moments where you're overwhelmed but you just have to keep reminding yourself why you're doing this and why it's so important and things will get easier and they will become more natural for your whole school community. Eventually it's going to take time and you'll make mistakes and you'll change the way you do things several times, but it will be worth it and you will see so much change. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. I appreciate you uh, 
sharing that in such detail. So if there's if there's anyone that's interested in learning more about starting a school food recovery program or composting in their state or school or district or wherever, could they reach out to you and how might they do that? So yeah, they can absolutely reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to anyone about whatever their needs are. Uh, my email is probably the best way to get a hold of me. It is ekta underscore shabria. So I'll spell that E-K-T-A underscore C-H-A B-R-I-A at H-B-O-E dot org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ekta, for joining me today on the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast and for all you do to lead the Food is Not Trash movement in our schools. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been really fun. Awesome. Well, have a great day. You too. Thank you.